podcast, we're going to talk about sustainability and zero waste. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this Trader Joe's item that I got, and it was this these bonbons. And I, I don't know if you've had them before. They're these coconut bonbons. Oh, they're great. Are you about to tell me they're not sustainable and I'm a bad person for eating them? No, you're a bad person for other reasons. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but really, though, I was just thinking like, Okay, so you got this package. They're delicious. Okay, but you got this package. Okay, it's a box. And then the, the plastic inside. Then you open it up and it's a beautiful plastic container inside. And then you open up the plastic container and then there's another styrofoam inset that where the bonbons lay. And I was just thinking, like, does my pleasure eating them, you know, override the guilt that I have for creating more waste? So you're saying like the plastic and cardboard to bonbon ratio is suboptimal. There's very little bonbon. I've seen that in chocolate boxes and stuff where in order to present the chocolates as something valuable and beautiful, they have them isolated in little perfectly customized scoop, you know, little plastic dishes. And it, you're right. It's it's a lot of junk for very little food. We're kind of like on the ground level. We're just basically consumers trying our hardest not to damage the environment. To to a great extent, we, you know, we we fall into that trap of, you know, you have empathy for an animal because it's an individual and you can imagine it's it's, you know, it's the world through its eyes and it has a cute face or even if it has an ugly face, you, it has a face. So you can sort of see yourself in its shoes. Whereas, you know, if you look at the whole planet uh, it's overwhelming. Like, what can I do for such a huge ecological system? Whereas I could just not eat this one chicken and then the chicken in my, like, you know, imagination gets to run off free. We decided to bring on an expert in zero waste. We are lucky to have uh, Stephanie Lentz. Uh, she owns Scoop Marketplace. It's a it's a zero waste web store and brick and mortar store in Seattle. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. You got it. And you're also the host of a podcast about zero waste and sustainability called the Green Stuff Podcast. Yes. Yes. We talk about all all the green stuff, all the sustainable things, and you know it's a multifaceted subject. So we have a lot of fun there green stuff, you might get a different audience for that. <laughs> and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> We've had um, definitely had some some people mention that. And uh, I said, you know what, I think that fits. I it's think we can work with that. Yep. It's a renewable resource. So, so Stephanie, how did you get involved in zero waste? How did you start your journey? You know, it's, it actually it started with the plant based diet. And we were watching a bunch of documentaries. We were actually in a phase of unemployment. And so we used that time to enjoy Netflix. And uh, there's so many things on there. But we really started to explore this idea of a plant-based diet. And we made changes in our lifestyle. And we just had one kid at the time. He was brand new, just a little baby. And so it felt like a good time to make those changes for our family. And it really snowballed. I started exploring, you know, minimalism and this idea of plastic free and why is it important to have organic foods in our diet or, you know, be seeking out only organic foods. And 
I quickly learned that not everyone cares about all of the different things. Some people are just focused on the vegan part or, you know, just focused on reducing plastic use and those kinds of things. But what really got my attention was when I started researching, I, I came across this term microplastics, this idea of like teeny tiny bits of plastic that are everywhere. And when I learned that this stuff is like, has been found at the deepest parts of the ocean that have been explored and is in the air at the top of Mount Everest. And then when I started to learn that, you know, even though I'm purchasing my um, organic vegetables for my family, the, the soil and the water might still have microplastics in it. And there's nothing we can really do about that at this point. That's when I really freaked out. And my eco anxiety was just like on high alert. And when I am dealing with fear in that way, I have to find a way to take action. So basically I knew that, or I, I, I didn't, I didn't really think that I could solve the problem, right? I could not figure out what I could do to fix it or undo it, but I knew that my family could make adjustments so that we could at least stop contributing or really minimize our impact. So that's how it started. And there were certain things that were very easy to change. And it took a little bit of time to make adjustments, but it really simplified things. I mean, no one likes taking out the garbage, right? So if you bring less trash into your home, you don't have to take the garbage out, which is great. And then after a couple of years, I just realized that it was really difficult still to come home from the grocery store without a bunch of trash. Even as plant eaters, you know, we tend to be in the produce section a lot or maybe in the bulk section um, with lots of rice and beans and stuff. But then if you want pasta, it's hard to find pasta in bulk. That's usually going to be a box or a bag or something like that. And I saw all these stores in Europe that had this zero waste model where you just take your own containers and it's all pay by weight. And it just seemed like something that would do really well in Seattle. I was surprised no one else had done it. So now I have, and <laughs> now it's here. Does your store offer disposable containers at all? Or is that a, like, no way you just have to bring your own? We don't. And, you know, early on we had people asking like, well, what about paper bags or something? And I just was like, no, there's, you know, every now and then that's inconvenient, but yeah, there's so many containers out there. So I'm constantly, you know, making suggestions around, well, you know, save the, save the glass jars in your kitchen, whether it's a pickle jar or a pasta jar or whatever, or go ask your neighbor if you can go through their recycle or ask on in your buy nothing group. There are so many jars floating around. And then when we started letting our community know that we will actually collect jars and wash them and sanitize them for the community members to use, we were just flooded with jar donations. So there's just so much already out there in circulation. I didn't feel the need to offer anything else. That said, when, you know, March, 2020, when everyone wanted to stay home and still needed a way to get their groceries. And there was, you know, there were so many people in this community who felt like oh, I've done all this work to reduce my waste. And now I have to go buy groceries online from the conventional grocery store. And not only are the beans coming in a plastic bag, but for some reason they wrapped three more plastic bags around it. You know, there was, there was an, an increased sense of eco-anxiety around that and just guilt. So I'm, it wasn't a perfect system. I really didn't want to offer delivery until I could have a loop system where I would, you know, drop food off in jars. And then later I'd come back and pick up the empties and we would reuse them in that way. But I saw an opportunity to improve on what was happening, right? All this, all this plastic waste that they were getting. So I did find some compostable packaging that we were just using during that time to meet that need for that purpose. And it does work well if we need to ship bulk goods because it's less expensive and easier to ship than glass jars. But other than that, we don't really just have bags available in the store. You, you wanted to do like the old fashioned, like milkman system. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing new. We're just yeah. reviving the shopping methods of generations past and trying sure. to do it in a way that's convenient enough for the modern culture. Right. Is it difficult to find purveyors that sell in bulk? You know, there's actually quite a diff quite a few different food sourcing companies out there. I think what's tricky is for a lot of zero waste stores like Scoop Marketplace. So I also, I teach people how to open zero waste stores and that's been incredibly rewarding. So helping people open stores in their own communities. And sometimes the problem is when you're just getting started, you have trouble meeting the minimum order quantity. So some of the food sourcing companies, you know, might not sell you less than $1,000 worth of food at a time or something like that. But there are a couple of smaller businesses like Hummingbird Wholesale out of Eugene, Oregon. They've been amazing to work with and they have a much more accessible minimum order quantity. So that makes it a little bit easier. But what's tricky is finding one company that has all the products that you need. Because it seems silly to have to order from three or four different food sourcing companies, but sometimes customers are really looking for something specific and we do have to go to multiple places to track it down. And then you're trying to figure out what else can I order from them to make it worth it, you know, since we're having a, a delivery come and the truck is coming and we want it to be a sustainable process and reduce the carbon footprint. So that's where it gets really complicated. We wish we could find all the zero waste stuff from one vendor, which is the service we're providing to our customers, but we, we need the business to business opportunity there as well. What's the radius of customers you reach from your store? Oh, that's a really good question. So my intention with the store was that it would be like the neighborhood grocery store, it would be this hyper local community. And my dream was that I would live in the apartments above the store with my family. And, you know, you just walk down and you're trying to figure out what's for dinner. You're like, oh, I'll just grab some pasta, a couple tomatoes, a few basil leaves, a loaf of bread, take it back upstairs and make dinner. So not only was it packaged free, but it was super fresh mm. and it was easy to get, you know, very convenient right there. Of course, since we only have actually right now we have we have two locations, we just opened a second but, you know, that's not very many. And so it very quickly became a destination shopping experience. And I was surprised how far people were traveling. But because a lot of these bulk goods, you don't need to refill them very often, like your dried beans and your rice and flour, you know, those things can be in the jars on your shelf for six weeks and much, much longer. People can go for a while without needing to restock. And so I feel like every time I was in the shop, I would have people coming from at least... Oh, probably a 20 mile radius. So, cause people seek it out, you know, they type in zero waste grocery store and then they mm -hmm. plan their trip. They look at our website to see what products we have in the shop and make a list for themselves and gather up all their jars. And uh, we also offer an opportunity for people to purchase large quantity bulk goods so they can actually purchase the 50 pound bag of flour as it comes to us from the vendor. And that's really nice too. My family shops that way because there are just certain things I don't like to run out of. It's too mm -hmm. inconvenient to, especially on a plant-based diet. It's so funny when I see customers walk out of the store with like a pint-sized jar of oats, I'm like, Okay, my my kids would eat that in one meal. Like you're going to have to come back in two days. You know that, right? Maybe they're, <laughs> so. they're right down the block. Yeah, exactly. I, I would imagine people who come from 20 miles away who are who are invested in zero waste probably want to make the best use of the energy they expend by mm -hmm. traveling to you. Yeah, 
They definitely do. And you can tell that those are very strategically planned shopping trips. And mm-hmm. it's also fun, you know, kind of making those connections with those customers. They often will have planned ahead and they've found, you know, maybe some specific restaurants in the area that they want to check out or other small businesses that they know they want to support while they're in the neighborhood. So that's kind of, we love being part of just those partnerships and that network and that community as well. What do you tell uh, customers who are maybe new to zero waste and they, they feel overwhelmed and they think like, you know, as great as you know, what you're doing, the whole world is what it is. And my actions can't really make a big difference in the greater scheme of things. There's still like huge, you know, oil companies pushing plastics and like, how, how do you, I mean, even my, I'm guilty of using like too much packaging and things like that. And I would love to be a better, you know, better at this. Like, what do you tell people who are still, um, you know, trying to, trying to better their carbon footprint and all that? There's a definitely a lot of perfectionism and fear that plays a part in this. Or like you said, that idea of, I don't have any control. These huge corporations are causing a major problem and I, I can't really impact that. I can't influence that. So what's the point? But I think, I think especially for people, you know, you were talking earlier about the chicken running free, you know, when you see those heartbreaking photos of, um, I don't know, a, a turtle with a straw stuck up its nose or something like that, that was one straw from one person. That wasn't 5 billion straws that hurt that turtle. It was yeah, one and it could have been point. yours. We don't know, but your one straw can have a really big impact. So I think a perspective like that can be kind of helpful. I also think just general awareness around, because, you know, we don't really have a great concept of what happens when we throw things away. We just throw them away. Like Mm -hmm. it's gone. It's done. I don't think about it again, but it goes into a big hole in the ground and we store it indefinitely. And at some point we're going to have a Wally situation where we've got skyscrapers built out of blocks of garbage because we've run out of storage space for our trash. The hole in the ground is almost the best case scenario. Like if it could actually just stay contained in the hole, that might be manageable. It's that it gets out of the hole and into the ocean and into the street, you know, like all over the place. Right. And that we will, we will run out of holes in the ground. That's the other part of the problem too. Yeah. I think it's helpful when people, um, you know, can just be aware of like the life cycle, like the journey of the thing that they use. So I often use this, this visual image of a napkin. So one time I was standing in this space and um, someone walked by, she walked past the snack table and she picked up a napkin and she like barely dabbed it to her chin, you know, and she never stopped walking, picked up a napkin, dabbed her chin, dropped the napkin in the garbage. And the life cycle of the napkin flashed before my eyes. I was like, oh my gosh, that was a tree. It was a tree and somebody cut it down and somebody put it on a truck and they took it to the paper place and they turned it into a napkin and they put it in a stack and they wrapped it in plastic and they put it on a truck and they took it to the store and someone bought it at the store and they brought it here and they opened the package and they put it on the table and you used it for a fraction of a second and you put it in the trash to be thrown away. What is the purpose of that? That's Why a very... are we even creating materials that are designed to be used for moments, but in some cases might remain on the planet indefinitely? It's terrifying. That's a very evocative narrative. Um, and and it's true. I, I, I hadn't thought of it in that depth. What do you tell people who think 
I you say I recycle, that's good enough, you know, because I, I think we all know recycling is kind of a boondoggle. No, we don't all know. Not everyone knows that's true. Um, that recycling is kind of a boondoggle. So they say like, oh, this is so much work. I'm still a good person. I throw all my recyclables in the recycling bin and it all gets taken care of. Yeah, I mean, I often will mention, first of all, I, I do try to acknowledge the effort, right? Because we talk about progress over perfection and mm -hmm. celebrating that progress. And even the awareness of, you know, recycling and trying to be part of the system, that's a good thing. And we want to commend that so that we can maintain that momentum and keep making choices that are in line with that. And then I might mention that, well, you know, our recycling systems are a little bit broken and the things you put in your recycle bin might not actually get recycled for one thing. I often don't. Exactly. But I try, I, I generally don't motivate with fear. I try to find some other, some other motivation. Um, but the other thing that I will mention is that, you know, I, I might ask, um, what have you purchased recently that's made out of recycled materials? Because really what value is the, the thing you're recycling, if no one is purchasing anything that's made out of those things. That's it used to be Chinese, the Chinese, they used to buy all our recycle stuff on barges and then they stopped. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's just, it's an option. Recycling is an option and it might have a place in, you know, making the world more sustainable. Um, but it's still best to, refuse those those items or at least reduce them before we result to the recycling option and to speak to your point of overwhelm um, in general i do my best to talk about taking imperfect action and i do think that our space especially you know the green stuff podcast and when you're shopping with us at scoop we're very realistic i'm very open and honest when my kids are begging for strawberries in January. So not only am I buying strawberries out of season, um, but they're not local and they sure as heck come in plastic, you know, and, and I talk about that and I say like, this is fine. My kids are eating strawberries. That's the victory. <laughs> my, my thing is, okay. So I want to go into, you know, your store and buy zero waste, but I don't even know how to like say cook the beans and, and prepare these items where do you think someone would start like learning how to prepare, let's say dry goods? That's a great question. And it's, I'm also trying to figure out where do people want to find that information? Is that something that we should have posted in our store? You know, it's definitely something we want to have on the website and something that we would share periodically on social media or maybe in a blog post. Fortunately, we can usually find that stuff pretty easy, right? Like, um, how to, how to cook dry beans or something just in a, in a Pinterest search, we're usually going to find it pretty quickly. They are really easy. So if anyone is intimidated, all I do is I soak the beans overnight and I make sure, um, I maybe fill the bowl halfway with beans and then I cover the beans with water. If you put any more beans in that, they will absorb the water and then like spill out over the top of the bowl. Uh, <laughs> so that's really fun to wake up to in the morning. Um, but just let them soak overnight and then rinse them. And then I put them in a pot full of water and I just cook them usually for an hour and a half. And the way to test them is to eat four or five beans. And if they are all cooked through, you're good to go. But if a few of them are still kind of hard, then you let them, let them cook a little while longer and test them again. So it's one of those things that maybe seems intimidating, but it's, it's really simple. And often once you start doing things like that, 
you'll be like, oh my gosh, these fresh beans are so much better than canned. That might not always be the case. Maybe not everyone feels that way, but my kids love just like freshly cooked beans with a little bit of salt on them or something like that. The word overnight's intimidating. There's a non-overnight <laughs> version of this, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I also sometimes, I tr- I try to do six hour minimum. So sometimes I'll, I'll do it in the morning and then I can still get them soaked and cook them if I want fresh beans for dinner that night. But you can boil them yeah. or if you pour boiled water over them, you can just let them soak for an hour. I tend to, you know, I'm usually planning, I'm like doing a big batch because I'll put a bunch in my freezer so that it's like I have cans of beans on my shelf, right? I have frozen jars full of beans that I can just pull out and use whenever I want. So um, I'm I'm cooking a much larger quantity, but especially if you're just doing a small pot, yeah. Are there any ethnic foods like uh, chile or other other type of ethnic foods, Indian food that you provide at your at your marketplace? That is something we want to get into a lot more. That is actually a little trickier to find some of those ingredients because we need to, so when you get started with a business like this, it's, there are certain things that it's very obvious, you know, who you should work with or what company to go to, to get those products. And then what happens is over time, other makers and small businesses start to come out of the woodwork and reach out to you and say, Hey, will you carry my product? I'd love to have it in your store. And that's when we start to find some of those really unique things. So I have had some success um, when we have people asking for certain spice blends. Those are usually easier for me to find, Mm -hmm. but I have not found the dried chilies to have in bulk and things like that. But we love getting product requests and just doing the research and finding them and fulfilling those requests because that helps our community to see that we're building the store for them. And then they feel like they're part of it. You know, when they see like, oh, I contributed to what's on these shelves and this was made in such a way to directly benefit me and add value to my life. Oh, also, uh, I see that you're in like the Pacific Northwest, Seattle. Is that agreeable to a, z- a zero waste area? Do you feel like you have like-minded people that are that that are inspired by that type of lifestyle? I do think so. Yeah. I, I felt like before I did it, I felt like it would probably be, probably be very well received here. And then as I was doing my research for my business and planning my business, I actually connected with a community here called Seattle Zero Waste. And so I found that there was this group of people already meeting on a monthly basis and, you know, talking about challenges of building a more sustainable lifestyle and, this was actually exactly what they were looking for because so many of them had identified which grocery stores they could go to, to get package free goods or, you know, certain locally made products or um, natural products and things like that. But they were like driving all over town to check everything off their grocery list. Right. And then as, as you mentioned, that causes the issue of like, well, now I'm increasing my carbon footprint because I'm having to drive all over the place to get everything that I need. So there was really a very high demand for a zero waste store that had everything in one location so that they could just make one stop. And I think the Pacific Northwest, and I, I haven't lived anywhere else in the United States, but I think of this area as, you know, being very, very much invested in our natural resources and the natural beauty that's here. I think that there's a lot more recycling and composting and those types of things that go on here. And so just with all the people who are, you know, biking to work and hiking on the weekends, I think that it was kind of an easy transition into like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I can see why that would, why that would help me and why that would help to build a sustainable future for everybody. 
How do you talk to your kids about zero waste and uh, you know recycling and taking care of the earth? And 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 do you see some type of, of sometimes culture clash between maybe their friends or some of the kids that you know that maybe have a different kind of lifestyle? I think what's really challenging with the kids is when you know you as the parent have decided that you're not really going to allow little plastic knickknacky type things like like if they went to a birthday party right and they come home with the the goodie bag. And there's just, it's just stuff that needs to go in the garbage can. Like it's not, nothing special, right? Unless if there's chocolate, maybe, Um, or balloons. And so that is like, kids love balloons. So you always feel like you're crushing their soul when you're like, you know what? It's really not good for the planet. I don't actually like balloons. I don't think you should have them. Um, So that's always a major balloons. Can you recycle a balloon? Supposedly there are some biodegradable balloons of some kind. I have, I've heard mixed reviews. Um, I haven't checked them out personally, but for my kids, you know, if they can, if they can get, like if someone's had a party and then they've got leftover decorations and they post them on buy nothing, then I'll, I'll be like, Hey, look, someone has balloons that we can, um, you know, they're secondhand, (laughs) secondhand balloons. Uh, but every now and then, but you know, it's just, for one thing, modeling is huge. So yes, having the conversations is important, but just like letting them see, really normalizing it for them. This is, you know, these sustainable habits should be normal. And in our household, they are normal. And uh, so one example is I don't take receipts from the grocery store, unless if I absolutely have to, or any receipts from anywhere. Um, There's actually BPA coating on receipts that's uh, very toxic and it goes into your skin, especially if you have lotion on. Um, So if you touch the receipt and then you like touch a French fry and put it in your mouth, it's also like getting the straight into your blood system. That was terrifying. Um, I did not like learning about that. There are some places that can choose to not print it, but most times I just say, oh, can you throw that away for me? And I just won't touch it if I don't have to. And, uh, so this one time we were somewhere, I can't even remember what kind of a store it was. And, and the person said, Oh, would you like, would you like your receipt? And my son had paid, he was buying a gift for his little sister. And he was like, Oh no, like, why, why would you ask me that? Like, he knows (laughs) that receipts are bad news. We don't touch them. If my daughter sees one, she'll be like, Oh mom, a receipt. She like, won't pick it up and, and throw it away. So at CVS, their whole business model is based it's on like these long receipts. Long for one item. It's crazy. Oh Have you there, seen this? It's a, it could like wrap around as a belt. And this is when you oh buy no. one like one little knickknack. You buy like you buy some chapstick or something, and then you get a 10-page long receipt with is coupons. It, it's coupons. Yeah. It's no, it's it's laughable and sad. Uh how do you can you tell them not to? print it out and also how do you handle returns what if you want to return something you if you can't ever take a receipt um it's only caused me a problem a couple of times uh and especially at the grocery store like if you were to get home and then discovered that your blueberries were moldy or something Mm -hmm. obviously that's a problem um but fortunately with a lot of uh, like if if you were shopping for clothes you know um or actually there are some stores where you can you can email. select to email the receipt. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I do try to keep track of it if I think I'm going to need it for any reason. But uh, yeah, if I can avoid it, I won't. I won't take it. It's just one of those things. There are a few stores that have non-toxic receipts. Mm-hmm. I think 
Trader Joe's actually might have okay receipts. I can't remember. Um, And uh, we've got a store around here called PCC. I'm pretty sure that theirs are okay. Whole Foods, I, I can't remember about that one, but Whole Foods might be okay too. Let's talk about the future. So what are your next steps? You have these two stores uh, in the Seattle area and what's next for uh, Scoop Marketplace and uh, your uh, your venture into uh, zero waste? Yeah, well, the you know having two locations is brand new for us. It's super exciting. Actually, our, our big location has been under construction all year, um, which has been very challenging, but we've got a big reopening happening this week. And we're just so excited to continue to fill our shelves, like I said, with the products that our community needs most. And our mission is teaching people how they can actually improve the quality of their lives while they're learning to walk more gently on the planet. So I don't think this should be some huge extreme sacrifice. I think that this should leave to this should lead to a simple and more lovely way of existing that then will, you know, give us this opportunity of a future where everyone can truly thrive. So continuing to open more locations of Scoop Marketplace, and then also leaning into our digital business, Scoop Intelligence. So I mentioned I teach people how to open zero waste stores. I'm really enjoying doing that. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of it. We have other resources and services available, including sustainable business coaching. So we're really building out those services right now. Um, we've got a coaching package for businesses that want to go through the B Corp certification process, and, and they need some help moving through that. Or if a business is interested in writing their first impact report or sustainability report, you know, we can help them to set those goals and find the best way to track and measure them and share that publicly with their community And then education is just a big value for us. So looking at whatever ways we can use our platform online to serve our community, I think we'll probably be teaching some other things like um, plant-based cooking classes. I think we'll have that in the future and enjoying, I'm really enjoying the podcast and the conversations that are coming from the Green Stuff podcast and featuring, you know, some of our vendors, um, but just people that are doing amazing things in the space. So there's a lot going on. We're also trying to connect more with people who are maybe they're, you know, not in the zero waste community. They're not necessarily living a zero waste lifestyle, but they're like zero waste curious. Like they want to know what's this bamboo toothbrush situation and why do, why is it better than a plastic one? So we actually have a box subscription called the scoop swap box. And every month we send out swaps for your disposable products that are part of your daily lifestyle. And then we have a a really heavy educational, not, not heavy. Um, but we make sure that we have a really robust educational component. So, you know, where are these products coming from? What are they made out of? How do I use them? What do I do with it when I'm done? Can I compost this bamboo toothbrush? Can I send it back to you so that I don't have to figure out what to do with it? You know, that whole thing. So just, just trying to be a beneficial presence in the world as a whole. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, this was an amazing conversation. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I love it. I love, I love hearing the questions and it's helpful for me to know, you know, what people are curious about and what they want to learn more about. And some of those hesitations as well, in terms of like, you know, what can I do? I'm just one person. How can I have an impact? It reminds me of where I started a few years ago and how I can better speak to those issues and give people confidence in our own personal power and the impact that we can have. 
So we'll have all your social media information in our show notes. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being a part of our podcast. Thank you.